Hello everybody and happy new year to you. My name is Danny Randon and this is Bitchin' Brew, a conversational podcast where I sit down with musicians and people in the music industry. We'll have a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, maybe some biscuits, maybe even a beer. And we'll talk about pretty much anything that comes to mind. This is a podcast that as ever goes out on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Acast. And it's such a joy to be coming to you so early in the new year. This is the first episode of twenty. 20- 18, episode number 15. Uh, I really want to hit the ground running considering how awesome the second half of 2017 was with the relaunch of Bitch and Brew. And uh, yeah, it's so awesome to be coming to you this early. I really wasn't expecting to get started considering our first podcast of last year was something ridiculous like uh, early February. So anyway, welcome if it is your first time listening to Bitch and Brew. And if you're a repeat listener, then welcome to you all the same. This is, like I said, episode number 15. And uh, it features one of the biggest guests that we've had on Bitch and Brew so far. Uh, just a little bit before Christmas, I sat down for a beer with Mark Holly. Now, Mark is the singer and guitarist of Black Foxes, one of the best British rock bands around at the moment. The band were in town, they were in Southampton while they were on a big UK tour with Def Havana and Decade. Uh, Monk's a really great dude. I'd, I'd hung out with him backstage a couple of times and chatted to him on the phone and interviewed him a couple of times for Upset, but I'd never really sat down properly with him and just chatted. We talk a lot about the amazing time that Black Foxes had off the, uh, off the back of their debut album, which is called I'm Not Well. That came out in 2016, was one of my favourite records from that year, favourite debut records at least. And uh, we also look ahead to what they've got planned with their second album, which comes out in March. It's called Ready. I'm probably mispronouncing that because it's Icelandic and I don't speak Icelandic, surprisingly, but there will be some cool little tidbits of info that you might not actually be able to find anywhere else than here on Bitchin' Brew. Uh, Other things that we talk about, we talk a lot about travel, Uh, we have quite a funny chat about our previous jobs, Uh, we talk a lot actually about a documentary that Mark recently made with BBC Newsbeat. This is a cool little side project of his, I know it's been a real labour of love, but uh, if you didn't know, Mark actually lives with Crohn's disease and he worked with the BBC to capture his uh, his physical and his mental struggles as well as just sort of his daily life as a Crohn's patient, if you will, uh, around the time of recording the uh, second album and touring with Yumi at Six and doing their... A big London headline show at Tufnell Park Dome and, uh, you know, filming him having his uh, infusions as well. So uh, it's a really honest and interesting and, uh, you know, important documentary. It presents some real shocking facts that I didn't know beforehand, like how something like uh, hundred thousand people, I think it is in the UK, suffer from uh, that suffer from Crohn's, and they don't have a specialist nurse helping them coming to terms with the disease or even understanding it. It's a really cool documentary. It's called on tour with Crohn's disease and I'll leave a link in the description it's well worth your time it's only about 20 minutes long so make sure after this podcast that you go and give that a watch now later on towards the end of this episode I'm also very excited to be premiering a brand new track from an awesome young band by the name of Scarecrow Boat Uh, Jerk de Soleil is the name of the track which they'll be releasing as part of a cool new project they're doing across 2018 more on that later and we'll get straight 
into our chat with Mark Holly from Black Foxes after we play the first single from their forthcoming album. This is a rather sensational track called Sila. To start with a fun fact about this place. Sure. Um, it's at, I used to work here. Did you really? <clears throat> I did. I worked here as sort of a jack of all trades <laughs> uh, for like six months while I was saving up. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cheers. Oh uh, yeah, I worked here for six months while saving up to do my journalism diploma. Oh wow. Like intensive full-on six months of work just so I could because the course was intensive so they said basically like don't get a job while you're on the course because yeah. they're essentially condensing a year's worth of work into six months oh, wow. so it's pretty full-on and there's homework to do every it was like going back to school yeah, yeah it was yeah, really yeah. really bizarre when you do uni and then you go back to a college how long ago was this this was so i was working here two years ago and it was like from august to like the following january mm-hmm. um but because the place is really small, we're here at the Pig in the Wall in Southampton, which is part of the Pig Group Hotels. They have loads of really nice, 
quaint. Uh, oh, it's part of the. That's a franchise, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tristan used to work at the a pig in, uh, in <laughs> no Exeter. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. So there you go. Links all over. Um, so yeah, and it's a really sort of quaint, shabby chic. Uh, you know, no two glasses or bits of furniture are the same kind of place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was it was really fun. I mean, I worked there just the whole time. Going any time that I was having a bad day, I was like, "You're just doing it for the money, so you sure, can yeah, yeah, yeah. become a professional journalist or whatever." Yeah. Um, but I, because the place is quite small, I ended up doing uh, waitering, like bar service. Yeah. Uh, you know, concierge, as it were, yeah, yeah, helping yeah. people show them to their rooms yeah. and a little bit of housekeeping here and there. Um, I definitely preferred like the bar service kind of stuff, though. But I did yeah. serve some pretty cool people. While, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, any famous mm. people? Mm. Who? Um, I once showed Roger Daltrey to his room. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty cool. He was a did really nice. No. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Rog. <laughs> no, he was a really, really nice guy. Helped him with his bag up to his room. He yeah. Was a very sort of humble bloke, uh, considering he was in the fucking who. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, and we actually talked a little bit about the album that he did with Wilco Johnson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was the, sort of the album that got, got me into Roger Daltrey properly. Yeah. And then I kind of went back and listened to the who. And he was like a super humble guy. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Nick Knowles. From, from uh, is it Changing Rooms or DIY or something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, Kelly, the guy who does the lottery programme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. been here before. Um, and uh, Duncan from Blue. Oh, well, you should have led with that. <laughs> Duncan from Blue was doing a night at the, well, a few nights at the theatre here, like the big theatre in town. Yeah. Uh, in Priscilla, so he was doing drag. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure he fancied me. <laughs> <laughs> he was like asking all the other staff, oh, where's, where's that, where's that? <laughs> My girlfriend wouldn't shut up about it for months. She was like, oh, you have to see Duncan tonight. He's not staying at the hotel anymore. But it's fun, though. It's all worth it to do the diploma. <laughs> You're all finished now, right? How long ago was this? Oh, this was, yeah, like two years ago. Okay, so I'm cool. all done yeah. with the diploma. Okay, like, I don't still work. I haven't been back here in like a year and <laughs> a half. You're actually just on a shift right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll start after this, actually. No, it's been like a good two years since I've worked here. But, um, you know, a lot's changed. But I do I do very much like this place. It's, it's lovely. Very, really, really nice. When you go up to the rooms, the you know, it's built in a way that you don't really think you're in the middle of a city centre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is a very nice beer as well. Yeah, so let's talk about our bitch and brews. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this is from the Fabfisham Steam Brewery. You've gone for the Whitstable Bale. I've gone Bale. for the ale. So where's where's this base? I think... Hang on, let's have a look. Um, well, it's Whitstable, but I don't know where that is. I think it's in Kent. Okay. Whitstable. Okay. We'll have to maybe get another look at the drinks menu. I believe it's Kent. Okay. Um, and I've gone for the Blonde Lager. Which is very, very nice indeed. Mm, recommended. Mm. I do love an ale. Mm. Good. I That's... suppose second second day of the tour, is it like party mode at the moment? Well, everyone's on the um, bus but us. <laughs> we obviously had the offer to go on the bus, mm. but um, Def and Vanna and they'll admit themselves, they're, uh, they're pretty crazy guys with, mm. with drinking and stuff. And obviously given my condition, the tour manager, he's uh, managing us and Def and he said... 
just thinks I'd probably get ill really quickly. So we're like, okay, we'll do a hotel tour. That's fine. <laughs> fine by us. But they're all like silly hungover today already. Got in at like 6am onto the bus. Yeah. I feel fresh as a daisy. So. You, you just got here. And is it, is it Lee who walked out from the venue from Defavana? We had a can of Copperberg. Yeah. Already. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, carrying it on. Why not Friday night? They're just, they're just such nice guys, though, so we're doing it a slightly different way with touring, but it means I can just have the casual drink and have a hotel room and a shower, which isn't very <laughs> rock and roll, but, yeah. Have you ever had to do any of those sort of, you know, we're talking about me working at a hotel, have you ever had to do any sort of mundane day mm. jobs? Oh, God, yeah. Um, I mean, thankfully, I, I'm living off the music now, which is just such an unreal feeling. Mm. Um yeah, I've done I've done all sorts. Um, bar work was sort of my go-to if I needed some quick cash. I had a local pub um, back when I was living with my my mum, uh, my local. I'd always work there, and she'd pay me like double if I did lock-ins and stuff. So. Yeah, is, is this down in Exeter? Or uh, yeah, Exeter nearby? nearby Exeter. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But I've done all sorts. I, I was a seed salesman for a while. <laughs> So, what does that entail? Um, so, if you ever go to garden centres, there'll be racks and racks of different seeds. So, I just worked for a company that sold... Farmer Giles, like, yeah. other brands are available. Uh, yeah, ours, ours was Sutton's. Um, I got a company car. <laughs> it's because my, um, my dad was in that line of work, so it was easy for me to get a job because he was like a proper rep. Right. Um, to be fair, that's probably the most fun I've had on a job because you choose your own hours, you've got a car, you just go around, you plot your own sort of trips and you just spend all your days at garden centres, which are actually kind of cool. Mm. They do good food. Um, but after like a couple of years of that, I was pretty done with it. <laughs> I, I always find myself... Um, garden centres always have a kind of smell that every garden centre smells. I mean, it's, it's old people. Yeah. That's, that's the yeah. smell. <laughs> It's like the way that every like Clinton's cards, wherever yeah, also yeah, worked yeah, in yeah. the past. Oh, you know, you, you walk in and you're hit with the smell of Yankee candles. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, I've done all that. Um, yeah, now I'm just living off the music. So obviously, it's pretty intense. Like touring is, is really intense. But then mm. I've got a nice bit of time over, off over Christmas, so that'd be that'd be really good. Yeah. And you had a massive festival season there this year. Obviously, mm. you played two thousand trees. I saw you at two thousand trees. That was a fun show, wasn't it? That was a yeah. fun weekend. I, I love that festival so much. I think it's still my favourite British festival. Mm. Um, and we've done it two years in a row. Yeah, two years in a row now. So it's nice just to see them slowly building it, um, mm. but not getting, not overegging it too much. It's yeah. not becoming oversaturated. It's still its own thing. Um, but they're getting slightly bigger headliners every year, and it's becoming you know the capacity is increasing I think a bit um, I think it will be a, a big festival in the future mm. like a big big festival yeah. but I, I don't know there's something about it I mean you've you've been yourself I, I, I've only been this year oh, it's the it, first I, year you went oh, yeah, okay cool and it instantly became my, the best festival I think I've ever been to yeah, 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 of yeah. that size anyway sure. though, you know like the small DIY fest down here sure. are always going to be like the greatest fun but yeah, that was just you know even like I think we're talking about this on a recent podcast with someone who also played 2000 Trees, but they were saying like the VIP section, uh-huh. even down to those sort of details where, you know, the VIP section wasn't this place where you have to feel like you have to stand to attention and, sure. you know, uh, behave a certain way. Yeah. Um, even though some people at big VIP fest, uh, you know, VIP areas at big festivals will still dick around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it just feels, and it feels like, uh, the organisers really know their fan base 
um, and you know factor that into the booking of bands and who they book and yeah. they have been getting bigger headliners and say like this year I think it was obviously Slaves and Nothing But Thieves yeah. co-head oh no London Lantis co-headlining yeah. co one night but if people aren't really into the whole sort of Slaves thing, yeah, uh, which is more sort of commercial. Yeah, uh, they could go and see the men singers. Exactly. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I did. And, yeah, sure. You know, they were, and then straight off, it was such a weird. Like it was the last night that the men singers played, and it was a really glorious set. They played songs from that brilliant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, brilliant album, which I can probably say now because this is coming out after the albums of the year podcast. Is my number one album for the year. Oh wow! Well, okay, Unless cool. something just comes and like slaps it right off the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really joyous set and then going from that to go and see um, Oathbreaker yeah and uh, have you heard Oathbreaker yeah. Do, do you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah yeah so bizarre to end a festival I didn't know that like... they played um, 2000 years actually mm. wow <clears throat> I think the thing that um, makes it for me is just the people there I find with British festivals these days especially Reading I just can't really I, I think it's get, I guess it's the way they're tailor, tailoring these festivals mm. now but the, the demographic Demographic, demographic of people that are there has changed so much since to when I was going to Reading as a kid mm. um, and you've got this whole lad culture there now and you can see people being nasty to each other and stuff whereas 2000 Trees everyone is so nice yeah. everyone is so <laughs> friendly they're all into the exact same things and they just want to go for a laugh and I think that's what makes it for me um, it was unbearably hot this year though it was it, it was, was ridiculous, ridiculous right? yeah and I find, like, when you when you go to a ridiculously hot festival, how quickly your phone battery runs out. <laughs> and it's like the worst place for your phone yeah, to run out, 100%. in the middle of the Cotswolds. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the, you know, not necessarily arsehole of nowhere, because it's beautiful around that area. Yeah, but, but there is nothing around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Uh, you're on tour with Death of Anna at the moment. Uh -huh. And uh, would you consider this sort of the end of the I'm Not Well cycle or the start of the next chapter for you guys? Uh, it's kind of an in-between stage. I'd mm. say it's a little bit too late on to still be clutching at I'm Not Well. But at the same time, whilst we've just put pre-orders up for the new one, um, we don't actually have any music out for it yet. So it's still not quite <laughs> new campaign. It's in this weird sort of zone. Yeah. Um, but it will. It, this will see out the end of the year for us. We won't have any more shows after this. So, yeah. yeah. Is this the part of the sort of that build up before? And you know, you've obviously announced a new album. Um, we'll talk about that in a bit because sure. one, I'm really excited to hear it, and two, I don't know how the fuck you pronounce the, the <laughs> title of it. But this could be an exclusive. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> It's intentionally difficultly named. That's exactly why we've done it, yeah. <laughs> because everyone keeps talking about it, which is great. Um, is this the kind of part where you've announced the album and you're about to go into the sort of... That, that weird in-between place, is this the bit where you get most excited about the album or has that sort of been and gone already? No, the most exciting bit about the album is release day when you can walk into HMV or you can walk into Banquet Records and you can pick up your record. That is the best yeah. feeling in the world. I can't even just, like explain that when you've been a kid playing in pubs as a 14 year old <laughs> to imagine that into reality is just unbelievable um, but this is really really cool because obviously we've worked so hard behind the scenes getting artwork and all these things together and we've got an amazing team behind us this year we've gone slightly different um, with our D2C campaign so everything everything laid out it's just I don't know it just feels a lot more intact and mm. It's a lot for, more exciting. For non-industry people, what, what is D2C? D2C is like direct-to-consumer, so that's the things that you'll see when you go on the webpage and you'll see the bundle packages. And 
we'll be filtering out videos um, I mean this is coming out later in this month so it won't be any spoiler but we'll be yeah. filtering videos out through November which will be these sort of teaser things which will be teasers for a video single just the way they're done I'm really stoked about because it mm. is going to make people ask questions because it's really abstract it's weird yeah. there's not much to it and it's strings and stuff so people are going to be a bit freaked out when they hear it as to what's actually going on um, which was the whole thing behind this campaign we wanted to make people ask questions we didn't the one thing that we took away from the I'm Not Well thing was that just became such an we should have probably seen it in hindsight but an obvious thing right whereas the way we wrote that album was just a cathartic thing for ourselves we didn't realise it would become this sort of self-help manual for mm. people which is brilliant and it's amazing that people have taken that from it so you've had people come up to you and go this track really oh it, an insane amount of people um, which is incredible and you know it's really helped and affected people's lives which is unbelievable um, but like I said we didn't actually make it for that reason we just made it cathartically just I needed to get this off my chest yeah um, so we wanted this second one to be a bit more open a bit more up uh, up to the listener to decide what it means to them mm. um and I think we've definitely done it with, with the tracks and stuff, so we wanted to do that with the album name and everything. So, yeah. 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 So, how are you pronouncing the album? So, how, how are you? Do- are you pronouncing it differently each time? No, no, Just no. Just to no. throw people off, the, off your scent. So, it's a, first off, it's a real word. <laughs> yeah, it's a real word. It's Icelandic. And it's I Ic- figured as much. It's Icelandic for rage, which we thought was really cool. Um, the whole Icelandic thing is like a massive theme for the album. I wrote probably 75% of the record in Iceland. Um, and when I came back there's a couple of tracks which have Icelandic words throughout and I was trying to get this balance of light and dark because the way the album works the first half is very light the second half is dark it's like like the moon was almost the concept for it and I found this word Reidi which means rage um, the, it's kind of a weird one because the, the symbol that looks like a D in Reidi um, is actually like a TH so you could say Rady or Rafi or but Rady is is pretty bang on from what I've been told mm. by Scandinavians. So, yeah. so I remember us chatting at uh, Slam Dunk and you said that you know when you're not like ninety nine point nine percent of the time doing band stuff, yeah, that you're quite a keen traveller mm. with uh, with you and your other half. So where, mm. where so you've been to Iceland? Mm. How, how how long did you spend out there? I spent three weeks out there, but I've been twice now. Um, it's just there's something about that place man like I I am really into travel and I've tried to get that across in a new album like this want to explore this sort of urge to seek new cultures and I think it comes as well we're such in such a a ridiculous time at the moment with Trump in America with everything that's going on here that everything's so confined when you actually go to these places there's such a bigger world out there and there's people that are uh, struggling so much more than you could ever realise which is I'm going to try and do so many many things for charity next year Um, because when you do start to travel it just opens your eyes that's the best way I can describe it and it helped me with my anxiety a lot because being away from home was one of the hardest things but when you actually get out there and um, you can make a home away from home is when I, I could get on top of my anxiety so that's why I like to keep up with it I get very anxious and depressed if I stay at home for too long because I just mull over my thoughts. Right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I've been to Iceland a lot. I've been all through France and Italy and America and all sorts. Of, I just I want to go everywhere with the band. Mm. 
hopefully would be lovely next year to be uh, able to. Have you taken black foxes over to America yet? Yeah, we foxes have been over to America. We're going over next uh, April as well, which we can't wait for. Mm. We just announced um, Rockville Festival, which is going to be amazing. Um, Oh, you did Riot Fest as well, didn't you? Did Riot Fest last year, which wow. was ridiculous. Yeah. You know, everyone's told me that festival is such a great vibe as well. Mm. Especially with the headliners, they get there. The Misfits, when you played Riot, that's the year we jaw- did, yeah. Jawbreaker this year, so yeah. you know they they definitely know how to treat their crowds as well. Absolutely. Yeah. What's, what's the sort of culture out there like in Iceland? You're saying you know the people were struggling with more than what you know the outside world sees. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that about um, Iceland, just like certain places I've been, but. Icelandic people, I'd say majority are creative. It's mm. an incredible hub for creativity, um, but just so laid back, so lovely. Just mm. it's such a small country as well, and there's barely anyone that lives there. Um, me and my girlfriend have actually looked into moving out there. Wow! But it's incredibly expensive. Like yeah. Incredibly expensive. Yeah, I bet it's like Norway, where you know, yeah, it's, it's very, like... very similar. Yeah, very similar. I've never been to Norway or to Iceland. Mm. I went to Denmark earlier this mm. year and. Man, that's going to be lovely. Have you never been? Never been to Copenhagen. So, no. Yeah, Copenhagen is a really beautiful. Uh, like Copenhagen, um, it's obviously the capital, but it doesn't feel like um, a capital city at all. Yeah, it yeah, feels, yeah. you know, quite similar to maybe like this part of Southampton, like the old town. Sure. Uh, where you turn a corner and suddenly you're like on the main harbour, the one you see in all the films. Sure. Like in the Danish Girl or whatever. Like uh, Nihavn or Nihavn, as it's pronounced, um, and uh, and it's so quiet and it's so clean, sure. And it's like Saturday afternoon, right? Okay, which is, yeah, 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 which is crazy, right? Yeah. Um, the nightlife's not so great. So, like, when you go out there in the evening, you're kind of just—it's really, really cold. So you sat in your hotel room, like, what do we actually go and do? But how um, expensive was it for a drink? Uh, okay, so for a drink, it wasn't too bad. I'm trying to think now. Was it about £7 a pint, somewhere around that? Yeah. I yeah. mean, th- that's kind of like the going... It's, that's kind of like the going thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, say if you're going to London or... It's, it's yeah. London prices, sure. I, I okay. would say. Um, but if you budget well, then it's obviously great. And the restaurant, the food's amazing. Yeah. They have the um, the small Broad, which are like the open sandwiches on like rye bread, all which is just like the best. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, you go into any sort of decent pub in Copenhagen they'll do that and it'll be amazing you know for the most part it's really really quaint some amazing castles like yeah. right in the middle of the city oh beautiful some cathedrals in there as well yeah. so, it, and the canal trips as well you go down the uh, canals and it feels like you're in Amsterdam or something sure yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah highly recommended if you ever get to go it's not that far from Amsterdam is it because we played well from Holland we played um, Groningen which is um, in Holland, and I'm sure they said that if we had just travelled for another, you know, four or five hours up that coast, really? you'd hit Denmark. Oh wow! Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it said. I might be completely wrong, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's what the driver said. <laughs> I, I realised, like, you know, I've not been on holiday a huge amount in my adult life, yeah, and that there's so much. Uh, like, I've never been to Germany. I've never been to Germany. Either. My never? best friend's German. Not, not even with, um, like, with the band. No, we're going next year, and I can't. That's, uh, that's not been announced yet. But we are, <laughs> <laughs> and I cannot wait because I've heard amazing things. You know what? Germany and France. I've only just been to France for the first time this year. Mm. The reason I've never been to countries like that is because they're so close. When I was young, I'd always be like, "Oh well, I'll, I can do them anytime. I can. Yeah. I will. I will go to those countries because I'm bound to at some point in my life." So I've always gone to like kind of further afield places a bit more 
weird, wacky places like Iceland, I guess. I've never been to Dublin, but I'm going there in December. Oh, it's meant to be beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just there. It's just 50 <laughs> minutes on a, on a plane, so... I always find those domestic flights really... I've only ever done one domestic flight before, yeah. and that was up to Newcastle. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a bit of a disaster, because my flight was delayed by an hour. Then, about five minutes from touching down in Newcastle, we started descending again. Okay. And apparently there was uh, some sort of mechanical fault that needed to be repaired. And, oh, good. Um, the the airline basically didn't get any uh, engineered cover at Newcastle Airport. Right. So they had to fly to Edinburgh where they have engineering cover. <laughs> and so we touched down in Edinburgh. But this is for my dad's stag party. Oh, my. Bear right. And I'm, I'm the best man. So, like, <laughs> one of them. And uh, and so we touched down Edinburgh, and I'm like, okay, so I'm already late for my dad's stag party. Yeah. Um, you know, they're all already up there. They've travelled up from London, uh, and it's okay. They're just going to touch down Edinburgh, and I'll, they'll put us on another plane, or yeah. the plane will get fixed, and we'll go off again. And we step off the plane, and we, we don't know where we're going. Uh, I'm on my own, and I've never flown alone either, which is a weird experience if you've ever done that. Yeah, I have a few times, yeah. And um, and they say, right, well, coaches over there, they're going to drive you from Edinburgh down to Newcastle. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, How so, long does that take? Uh, about four hours. So you may as well just drove there, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, may as well have got the train. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, the domestic flights can be... Very weird. I've done it from Scotland a lot, like when we play shows. Mm. Um, the guys are brilliant with, with me because I had a huge, I built up this huge irrational, was well, not irrational really in my mind, but insane fear of flying. Right. Um, when, when my anxiety sort of went to the extent that it did. But bearing in mind before this, I'd flown everywhere around the world, been mm. absolutely fine. And then I had sort of two years off of flying and, and when my anxiety sort of peaked, I built up that that was the biggest fear. If I had a panic attack at 40,000 feet in the air, I wouldn't be able to cope with it. I'd freak out because I'd need to yeah. leave that situation. So I started having hypnotherapy to, to get me over it. And then they were like, you just need to get on a, a plane by yourself. Uh, exposure therapy, essentially. Mm. And so the guy, we had a show in Glasgow. I think it was like a Taken Back Sunday show. And oh, the, with, uh, with Frank. With yes, Frank that was it. Yeah. And the guys were like, look, we'll drive up, you fly up. Just, it was like 20 quid or something. They're like, mm. you fly up because that can be your thing. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. Like, by myself. Um, also, it was at this uh, stage where I was going through like massive alopecia, so I was terrified of taking my hat off and stuff at the airport. Wow. Um, but I did it, and it was weird. Um, and I flew back as well. And it's the second time when I flew back, I was completely fine. Yeah. Just freaked out on the way, and then had a panic attack, but realized actually it's fine. Um, but it is a weird experience yeah. flying by yourself anyway um, but I'm used to it now I'm, I'm, I'm all good with flying that must now. be like a horrible contradiction where uh, you know you're suffering from anxiety because I suffer as well so sure. you've been on medication for it and yeah. therapy and stuff uh, where you know some people obviously very differently affected but they don't want to go out and they mm. don't want to get out of bed but as you've explained you, you need to get out and you need to go and travel and yeah. go to other places so it must be a horrible contradiction knowing that your anxiety means you must go out but then you have a fear of flying which gives yeah. you more anxiety I talked about this with um, who was it um, I can't remember who it was on Twitter that I talked about but it's this it's such a catch 22 because with build up to tour I'm anxious as fuck about going on tour like I'm right. terrified then I get on tour I kind of get into it but I'm still quite anxious and then by the end of it you're terrified to go home again because you get into this sort of routine yeah. And it's just a constant 
circle that you go around. But whilst I, whilst I say that I need to go out and stuff for my anxiety, mm. um, I'd much rather stay at home. I'd much rather be at home not doing anything. But I know, with I know how my mental state works. That actually, in the long run, it is better I go out and just deal with it. Yeah. and have those sort of dark times early on to get over it because I know yeah. long run what it what me staying indoors gets to which isn't a very pleasant place so I have to for my own sanity push yeah. myself to get out um, but yeah like you said everyone's very different I've got friends that are, have crippling anxiety and they can't really do anything and it's so sad to see that um, yeah you know it, make, yeah. it makes me feel kind of lucky for you know uh, having anxiety, but not to the extent that exactly. that they do. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so when you're like doing, how, how many dates is this tour? Is it like a? It's the longest tour we're actually gonna, ever going to have done. It's fourteen dates, seventeen days, about that. Right. Okay. Which is quite a long time for us. So how long does it, into a tour does it take for you to kind of get settled down? I'm pretty. To be honest, I'm really good already. We had um, we did a Doc Martens launch show two days ago, so. That sort of sparked us off being away from home. That wasn't with uh, months ago. Yes, that's the one. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. That was good fun. Um, so yeah, that that was almost us in tour mode then. So I, th- I reckon a couple more days and I'll properly be in mm. in the zone with it. Uh, but halfway through, it gets a little bit tough, you know. Just yeah. it's more than anything. It's just like strained on vocals and stuff. Like worried your voice is going to go as a singer is a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but no, it's all good. We've got such a good group of guys around us and stuff that yeah. it's going to be good fun yeah absolutely and I remember um, I remember you said about like how the Yumi at 6 tour was particularly difficult in terms of you know playing those big arenas and, mm. and it was quite a long tour with that as well wasn't yeah it? I mean, even for like an arena tour it was like eight nine days and yeah you did that video about how you were because obviously you've been very public about your struggles with Crohn's disease yeah um, how, how, how long is it now that you sort of uh, were diagnosed as such um, my memory's awful but I think it was roughly around when I was 21 so 7-ish 6-7 years around about that um, but it took me a long long time it took me years to um, sort of find the right treatment and stuff for that yeah. it's, it's a weird condition it's like um, there's so many different options and routes to go down but they never really they can never really find the right thing yeah. for many people for years and years and that was the same thing for me I had to cancel many trips to America because of that which is really right. annoying um, for, for the band or for personal reasons? personal just, right. uh, just holidays just travelling wow. um, three times actually me and my best friend planned it three times oh. had to cancel three times in a row um, have you done it now? yeah we did it we did it which is it's just incredible it was so much fun um but yeah, I've been on the treatment for a while now. Uh, that's working, touch wood. So, yeah, yeah, it's all good. I, it's weird because you don't really hear much about it until, like, someone close to you gets affected by it. Because I think yeah. you know, from certainly a music point of view, I think everyone sort of was introduced to it. Certainly from our world because of Daryl from Glassjaw. That's exactly and how I knew about it. Yeah, yeah, and reading about that and how essentially him not being able to tour mm-hmm. basically meant that Glassjaw couldn't happen yeah. for, for its initial run anyway sure. but it's not until someone close to you because I'm sure she won't mind me talking about this my stepmom was uh, diagnosed with it earlier this year and sure. she's still in that she's she's having like a, she's going to see like a special uh, clinic in London and yeah. you know just trying to figure out what she what her body can and can't tolerate yeah um, but it's really not until someone close to you is affected by it that you realise the sort of repercussions of it yeah. as it were or the symptoms yeah I think it's a, 
I knew nothing, literally nothing about it. Mm. So when they said you've got Crohn's disease, it was kind of I didn't know how to take it. I didn't know what it was. The only thing I knew that Daryl from yeah. um, Glassfield had it. Um, it's it's weird because you can treat it to the extent where you can keep it under control, but it's it's forever. It's yeah. it's condition that lasts forever. Um, is your stepmom? She got a treatment now. She got a treatment plan, or is she still in that process of finding She's what's still working in, like, for her? Consultation, sure. kind of. Uh, yeah, it's it's only, it's only been like a few months since she's really been sort of mm. you know battling it as, yeah. as such. Um, so and they were they were quite scared uh, from the sort of initial medical test because they thought like the blood tests and stuff. Yeah, yeah, because they thought it would be something maybe a bit more serious. Yeah. Um, but not that Crohn's isn't no, of course, you know, serious it, or it, colitis or well, I'm glad you said that because I mentioned to you earlier before we started mm. um, shooting this but I've been doing this documentary with the BBC on Crohn's right? Um, and so many people like myself um, refused to go to the doctors initially because they're convinced it's cancer that was exactly what I thought. So this is... I didn't want to say it, Probably what your stepmom thought. That, that, yeah, that is yeah. what the... the, the Symptoms are very similar, and as a kid, especially myself, that was just terrified of doctors when I was young, I just mm. refused to go, to the point where I lost like two and a half stone over Christmas, and then my mum just took me there, just said, yeah. you have to go. And that's when, just, yeah, diagnosed there and then. Fuck from Christmas. Yeah, it, <laughs> I ate nothing. It was so crap. <laughs> um, but... The reason I wanted to do the documentary and the reason I want to openly talk about it so much is that if I had known someone um, that was going out there and doing everything that I wanted to do anyway, mm. or if I if I if it was more in the open about actually what it was as a condition, I would have been a lot less scared and threatened by it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been meeting these people and stuff on the, on the road and all the everyone's story is pretty much exactly the same with like the hair loss and. Um, Unwillingness to go and seek help. Yeah. So it, everyone's the same, and it's so funny because no one knows about it. Mm. It's just not out there. Um, yeah, it's uh, Murray from Excess has it as well. I'm pretty wow. sure. Yeah. Okay, well, I've never spoken to him about it. Or... No, I've wanted to get him on the podcast for a little while actually. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I don't really know know him at all, but I've seen him post about it. So. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's what I mean. I think if you dig a little deeper, there's a lot more people that have it or have links to it. I mean, Triss's um, sister, he only knew about Crohn's through me, and then only last year she got diagnosed with it, and she's had to have surgery and stuff. So wow. yeah, it's it's becoming more and more popular. Um, and more and more people are getting it every year. So I think awareness needs to be spread about it. Where, where, how, how did the documentary come about? Was it because of Black Foxes that BBC approached you? or? Um, no, yes and no. Um, they knew about me having a condition through Foxes because of the platform. Right. Um, and then it kind of just tied in because they liked the idea about seeing a guy in a band active. Mm. So they, they came out on the You Meet Six tour, actually they did some filming on that. Um, they've kind of been all over with us. The... the the BBC team are brilliant um, Fiona and Jimmy they're, they're really really good um, so yeah they've incorporated Foxes with it because right. they want to see how it works in that environment to mm, show right. you know people that you can sort of offer do it but um, that's why I, I want to do as much charity work as I can really next year for Crohn's yeah. um, whilst I'm sort of fit and able to do so really mm. 
because there's people much less fortunate than me when I go in and have my infusions that thankfully and fortunately do make me um, so much better to be able to do stuff like this. There's people yeah. where it doesn't work for them. Are they like blood infusions or are they like... Um, some, some people are on those. Mine are like, um, it's, an orth- it's an immune suppressant, so right, it's okay. just like a fluid Yeah. Um, that just goes in like a drip. Um, which is why I often get quite ill because I don't have an immune system. <laughs> so we're going to take that away and it'll make your Crohn's better, but you're going to constantly yeah. be sick. Great. Great. Cheers. <laughs> really good when you're on tour and you've not got like, exactly immediate access to like a toilet or somewhere private. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How, how does that kind of play on the the creative process? So obviously the album the album's wrapped at this point. Yeah, the album's ready. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah, did yeah. you do it with the same uh, guy producer? Same producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where, where, whereabouts? This is in in London, isn't it? Uh, we did this one. Um, oh god, I should know this because I was there for a month. Um, it was Vader Studios. Right. I just can't remember the name of the address, but it is literally the most beautiful studio I've ever seen in my life. It's mm. like um, it's an old estate. Um, it's just unbelievable, honestly. Yeah. I just I had the most incredible time there. Um, Matt, the owner of the estate, is just he used to do records for like um, the enemy and bands like that, and now he just rents out this estate and he still records there as well. Right. Um, just the most beautiful location you can ever imagine. It looks like a castle. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, I have the address. So it's in between Worcester and Royal Leamington Spa. It's basically like Shakespeare country. Wow. Um, just insanely beautiful. Um, so you wake up every morning, just endless farms and beehives and sheep and cattle, and it's just unbelievable, honestly. Yeah. Um, and we recorded in this old church spire, this castle-esque. Um, just, it's just ridiculous. The history of that place is amazing. They, um, not that long ago, actually, the previous owners were digging up, I think it was like a a garden digging up a garden because they wanted to put a tennis court there um, and when they were digging it up they found all these bodies right as and you do. they obviously rang um, they rang historians and they rang people to excavate excavate it uh, and they found out it was like hundreds of bodies and they were all buried upright and all the bodies had skull and like skull fractures basically so they think what it was was like um, bodies that dated back AD, which is one of the only sites they found in the UK like that. Right. Um, and they were probably all warriors that had died on the battle, like really, you know, um, high-ranked wow. military warriors that had died on the battlefield. And they, because apparently it's like a huge sign of respect to be buried upright. So time team came down. That's like a- everyone, it's just insane. There's something about that place, like. You don't leave and you lose your mind a bit because there is nothing around and you're stuck there for like a month. Mm. But I, I kept saying to Matt, there really is something about this space. They have um, all these sort of religious nuts and stuff come down and <laughs> they do all this spiritual stuff there right. because they're like, wow, they're, yeah. they're like spirits here. Like pagan they, festivals yeah, and stuff like that. Like, yeah, some crazy stuff happens down there. Wow. But they, they think there's this energy that sort of comes off that off that place. There's something, there is something about it, I've got to admit. There's there's something amazing about that place. So it must have been... Was, was it different going into a studio this time? Because I know, obviously... We've laughed about it in the past about how you felt about the EP that obviously preceded uh, I'm Not Well. Yeah. Uh, about how it's perhaps not the best 
bit of work that you've done yeah. in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, okay. And I've previously yeah. gone, oh, yes, oh yes, you said yes, that you yes, hate yes, it, and yes, I went, yes. I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but going going from an album that I assume you're fairly proud of, yeah. I'm not well, into you know this uh, into into rage. How how different was it from going from recording EP into recording I'm not well? Um, how, how did that affect your mindset? EP, like the first first EP we did, or the I'm Not Well to This, do you mean? So, what what's the difference between doing the EP and going into I'm Not Well yeah. from d- having done I'm Not Well to going into recording a, a new full body of work? Oh, I see what you mean. Um, just, I just don't know much mature about it. I think, I think none of us used to like recording because... We had an idea what it was. We've recorded our whole lives with friends and we've paid for studio time. But it's a much different thing when you have a label and management there and you actually only have three weeks at a studio or four weeks at a studio. Yeah. It's very different. Um, we're a very organic, natural band. So we... Mm, and our producer would never be like, everything needs to be on the dot perfect. We're not mm. one of those bands. Um so we're fortunate enough to be never really pressed for time um, but I'd say the, dif- the, the main difference is we really really enjoyed this one we really enjoyed it the, the one before given the content and everything yeah. I didn't want to be there that was the last thing I wanted to do is to be recording a record with how I was feeling I didn't want to do it yeah. um, which is possibly why people connected so much to it because it was so real mm. um, but with this one I was just having such a good time just I mean recording is my favourite process it is my favourite thing do in the world do you prefer it from live? Oh, hands down it's my wow, favourite thing is, that's yeah. so interesting hands down with, without a shadow it's not even close to me um, I find the live thing really really tough I really really do um, it, like, as much as I like travelling and stuff um, touring isn't travelling it's, it's very very stressful um, and I I don't know. I, I feel like I get an attitude problem on as well. <laughs> it's very isolated as well because if you're, you know, saying you're doing like a long drive, mm. say you're doing like a Midlands show to London or like London down to like Plymouth or something, yeah. then you don't get to step out the van much. It's no. van venue, van venue. Yeah. Whereas today, obviously, you get to go out and visit. Stuff like this is brilliant. Southampton. Yeah, yeah, no. Stuff like this is brilliant. And the first few dates of this tour are really, really easy. We've got loads of time off and. Well, that, where, that's where great. Next? So we've got a day off tomorrow, so we're off to um, London to watch Don Brocco, actually. I'm um, going. Well, Saturday? Yeah. Oh, sick. Well, I'll see you there. My, they're like my girlfriend's favourite band. Oh, cool. So, like, I bought tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they announced Portsmouth, and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they're like the same management company. Stan was like, do you want to see Brocco? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Oh, they're great fun live. They're so fun And live. they've actually just sold out Alexander I know, which is now, so. ridiculous. That's a hell of a statement. Um, so yeah, but that's what I mean. We've got all this... This is great. This is mm. part of touring, which is great. Um, but it's toxic when it's like what you mentioned. It really is. When you're in a in a tin can for 12 hours of the day, yeah. and you get out, you set up, you play a gig, you go for another 12 hours in a tin can, and it's beautiful playing to the people, and that half an hour to an hour on stage is unlike anything else yeah. it's unbelievable but this is why so many bands have issues with anxiety and depression and stuff from that to nothing going back home because yeah. you build yourself up and then you're nothing you're literally nothing in the tin can for 12 hours and then you're all these people's idols and heroes and then you're nothing for 12 yeah. hours and then and then you go back home no one knows you no, anything like that and 
whilst we're an extremely humble band, and I've actually never had any issues per se from being on tour of anxiety and depression than, than I have at home, the reason so many bigger bands have that is because of that. It's yeah. like this god complex, and it's I'm not saying it's an arrogant thing, it's no. because it's real. Yeah. They are like that in a way, because that's all they know on tour. Mm. Um, uh, the, the reasons I struggle with it is just illness-wise and and the um, the amount of long, 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 long travel. Um, whereas being in a studio, you wake up every morning and you're you're working on a piece of art and you're hearing yeah. it grow. And there is really, to me, there is no feeling like that. Because I haven't heard the record or any of the songs. Through, I know you said you're going to be bringing a song out between mm-hmm. the recording of this and the release of this podcast. Yeah. So everyone will be able to hear that. Uh, what did you want to? take musically from I'm Not Well and build upon and what sort of new elements did you want to bring in as well? The, the first record the thing that we were all a little bit um, not annoyed with but um, we feel there's a level of immaturity there was tonally we felt it was all very similar it's a loud obnoxious rock record to us which is great and for a first record it did everything we wanted it to it was honest and it was raw um, but with the second one, we really wanted to not be scared to evolve at all. Uh, I, I, I find there's a lot of um, a lot of musicians and a lot of bands that just want to play it safe these days, and they want to give what people want to hear, and they'll replicate what they've already done. Yeah, it's the opposite of what we wanted to do. We wanted to just go in there and really make something that where we felt we've naturally evolved and not be scared to use strings, trumpets and brass and all these xylophones, keys, all these yeah. crazy elements that we didn't touch on the first record. Mm. I mean... Did you play any instruments besides guitar? Did you yeah. play any instruments? So, I mean, I started... The instrument I played first was piano before I picked up a guitar at, like, 12. But mm. piano is where I started. Um, and... Yeah, so, but then I learned how to arrange strings from a young age as well. i completely forgotten that by the time we come to, came to do this. So our engineer basically did all of it. He was an absolute magician with it. He was yeah. wonderful. Um, but that was such a cool experience to be able to sit down with George, our engineer, and he would score out the stuff that we were sort of picturing in our heads and then you'd get these orchestral people come down and they'd have the sheet music and George was like shit if there's like a note wrong because they just play what's on the sheet Mm. they don't care what your music sounds like they will play what's on the sheet they're so different Um, their intelligence is so different to a creative intelligence theirs is wonderful it's like mechanical it is just they can see everything that's written out and they will play it whereas a guy like me I wouldn't I mean, I used to be able to read music a bit when I was young. I, yeah. can't, I can't now. I would have no idea where to start with that. I can't do it. But I could create. I know on a track what should happen. Yeah. But I don't know what to do with that. That reminds me of a, like, I, I did this gig when I was 16, right? Um, where it was, like, one night only and a Rolling Stones tribute band from my hometown, including, like, a few people that my dad had played in bands with. They were getting back together for one night, but the drummer couldn't do it. Sure. Or the drummer wasn't game for it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so they asked me, knowing that I was looking for more gigs as a young drummer, Yeah. like, do you want to play, like, just six or seven Rolling Stones tracks one night? Yeah. One of them was Live With Me, which I don't know if you've heard, has a saxophone solo in it, right? Right, okay. So one of the opening bands has a saxophonist who I knew from being in the same town. Yeah. Going to the same school, um, and I said, "So, 
if I just play this track in your ears, uh, we'd be able to just come up and maybe like do a sax solo. Yeah. And he was like, well, yeah, let's listen to it first. And he listened to it for about 15 seconds. Yeah. And then he just went, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and like, he just nailed it. And it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. It's That's crazy. what I mean. There, there really is. It's like um, people that can fix a car. I could never fix a car. Yeah. I'm an idiot. I am literally an idiot with that. I just can't understand it. It's like a mechanical mm. intelligence. But I, I know the creative side of it. I know what's needed. So we were terrified when they were coming down because you pay for them per take. That's right. how it works. Um, one take is all they need, really. And we heard it, and George just had a beaming smile because he knew that he created something on paper yeah. that they did. And I just had this giant smile as well because I'd come up with the melodies and stuff for what they should do. And hearing that all come to fruition felt like this is where the band should be. This is, this is to me, what it feels like. And it's exciting for a fan of music to not know where a band's going to go next. It still sounds like a Black Foxes record. Yeah. But it's got all these new elements that... It's daring and it's a bit brave, I think. Yeah. Which I'm just so excited and, and to get out. And it still sounds bastard loud. And it's still loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you thought about whether you're going to be doing any of those sort of orchestral elements live yet? Yeah. So we have. Um, the plan is to do some sessions in like a really beautiful place and to get a whole orchestra in for the songs with with the strings in and stuff. Um, because obviously the singles are just just straight up rock tracks for radio and right. stuff like that. They are. They've picked management have gone we think these will be the strongest to lead with and we've gone cool like we like those tracks that's all good yeah you know go go ahead they're three minute rock pop tracks um so we decided we think we're gonna go into like a really beautiful studio with an orchestra strings keys and do the tracks that would never get the light of day otherwise yeah um and you know, we hope with doing something like that, it gives us a look in with the festivals like Glastow or, you know, Jules Holland Crowd or something, because that's where it sits, those sort of songs. The There are so many bands, Foxes included, that I feel have elements now to their sound where, you know, there, it's, that, it's that debate of which rock band, if you had the opportunity to put them on the main stage at Glastow or, like, you know, the other stage at Glastow, sure. uh, or if you've got them, like... In that in that same slot that Mastodon did on the Jewel, on later with Jules Holland, sure. which one would you pick? And there's all these bands now that are doing big theatrical yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. elements. You know, obviously Creeper. Yeah, we're in Southampton. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, more recently, uh, Arcane Roots. Mm. Now with the elements that they've been doing. Obviously, I spoke to Andrew about it before the record came out, and he he taught he, he taught himself violin and all these synth arrangements oh, wow. and piano. Wow. To to do the records yeah, so yeah, yeah. I feel like it, do you feel like incorporating those elements gives you a, a better chance of uh, showing to people this is where rock music should belong yeah I think it also there's more longevity in it I think um, if, if things become too stagnant just as a fan myself I think what would I want mm. like what do I like in, in my like the bands that I listen to I, I wouldn't like it if a band I loved replicated the album they did before. I, I'd like it if they evolved and tried things, because that's why I love them. Yeah. That, and that's just me personally, everyone's entitled to their opinion. But um, yeah, I think it gives us more options to go many different ways, which is only a good thing in music when music is a fickle beast. It will rip you up and tear you apart. It, it doesn't really care about, about who you are or how hard you've tried at something. So the more chances you give yourselves to go down different avenues, I think the better it is for, for you as a band. Yeah. Yeah. 
Before we before we wrap this up, because I realise we're getting sort of the hour territory mm-hmm. now, I wanted to talk a little bit about a review that I read mm-hmm. earlier this year of your set of Victorious Festival. Victorious, uh, which was that? In Portsmouth. Right. Where it was uh, written from the perspective of a dog. Right. Uh, in the kids' club story in the Portsmouth News, where the weekly kids' club is based around a dog called Chipper. I have. Do you know this review? Because I have not seen this review. Have you not? No, and I. Because I wrote it. Oh! (laughs) I wanted to bring a copy and I'm. Oh, I want to see it! So. Uh, I think I can remember it because okay. Chipper has it, Chipper's like a beagle type dog uh-huh. and he wanted to see like um, he, he went to Victoria's Festival because it's the big thing in Portsmouth sure. like, um, and uh, he has a friend called Chad the Rad Rottweiler <laughs> which was a character created by we gave it to like an intern once and he created a bunch of characters and he was a real dick about it but I actually liked the idea of Chad the Rad Rottweiler <laughs> and uh, he said oh we went to go and see one of Chad the Rad Rottweiler's favourite bands called Black Foxes uh, they didn't look like foxes at all <laughs> they looked like humans <laughs> but they were very very loud <laughs> I should have brought a that's, coffee that's the best review we've ever had brilliant from a dog from a dog yeah yeah yeah, yeah. fantastic <laughs> that was awesome thank you so much to Mark Holly for another Bitchin' Brew. Black Fox's new album is called Ready, and it's out on March 16th on Spine Farm Records. Go and pre-order it now on all the usual digital platforms, but also click on the link that I'll leave in the description to go and check out the physical formats and cool bundles that they're doing as part of the pre-order. There's a cool-looking white vinyl and a very, very appealing uh, variant that's clear vinyl with red splatter. And I believe the album is also coming out on cassette too, which is very relevant to my interests, as we'll talk about in a bit. The band are also out on tour across March and April. Uh, There's UK dates in Manchester, Leeds, Glasgow, Newcastle, Nottingham, Birmingham, Southampton, London and Bristol. And there's a bunch of mainland European dates too. So make sure to head down to a show because they really are one of the most intense uh, and entertaining live acts around right now. As I mentioned earlier as well, uh, Mark's documentary on tour with Crohn's disease is out now. Um, well worth the 20 minutes of your time that it will take to watch. It's available via BBC Newsbeat. So, again, I will leave a link in the description for that. Uh, now that we've got the wheels in motion for 2018, why not go and subscribe to Bitchin' Brew on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Acast. If you liked this podcast, then you can give us a good review on iTunes. It would really mean a lot. Go, go and give us the thumbs up on Facebook. Just search Bitchin' Brew Podcast and like the page from there. We're on Twitter and uh, now Instagram as well. The usernames for both of those are at Bitchin' Brewcast, all one word. And before I go, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's time to premiere a new track by a great new band who I've been keen on for a while now. And once you hear this, I am guarantee you'll be hooked too. This band is called Scarecrow Boat.
They're from right here, where I'm recording, in Southampton. They are a DIY punk uh, four-piece who have played with the likes of uh, Fresh, who have been on the podcast before, obviously, as well as Swimmers and Sorority Noise. They opened Creeper's uh, Secret Benefit Show at the Joiners back in October. They opened for uh, Slutface, the Flatliners, and they and they just make super fun emo music. If you're a fan of modern baseball and the front bottoms, and uh, again sorority noise then I think you're really going to love this what I'm about to play you is their new track and it's called Jerk de Soleil and it's part of a really ace project that they're doing uh, in 2018 called Cassette Club now they are putting out cassettes throughout 2018 on a bi-monthly basis there's going to be two tracks on each cassette the first one is available to pre-order now and this track is on the B side on the A side is a track called Pathetic which is out now you can see the really cool video on their Facebook page the first run of the uh, first cassette in this cassette club actually sold out very quickly but there's now a limited second run of cassettes and you can pre-order that now via yes you guessed it the link in the description. If you are in a band and you are planning to release music for 2018 and you want to hear your song on the Bitch and Brew podcast, then drop me an email. It's b.brewcast at gmail.com. We'll talk over there. That's it from me. Thanks once again for listening to Bitch and Brew. I'll leave you in the very capable hands of Scarecrow Boat and their new track, Jerk du Soleil. Peace out. So I recently joined the circus with my best friends. It makes me sad that I don't see them anymore. And I wonder how you've been. I guess that means you win. And I know that you don't care. I don't see them anymore